I'm going to continue on in a series we've been uh, doing, talking, talking about uh, being living invitations. That's the name of the series. And this series uh, is, is just that, that, that we're called, uh, Peter called, uh, told us to live such good lives among the pre-Christians that it impacts them so that when Jesus comes back, um, they have made decisions for Christ and can all be in on the celebration. So I like to think of us as walking through this journey being living invitations, that that's who we are. And, uh, and so we've been talking about the church and that the church is people, and because the church is people, it's about us. Uh, we don't go to church. We are the church. You know, you're, that's how that works. Um, that it's also about relationships, and it's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God, our relationship with the future people of God. And we've really spent a lot of time talking about that one, about our mission. That's what that one's defined. Um, we're going to move over in the next couple of weeks into fellowship and talk about our relationship with one another. And then ultimately our relationship with God we're going to cover in, in, in a few uh, studies on, on worship. But we're transitioning from mission to fellowship right now by talking about discipleship what it means to be a disciple. And I think this is uh, important uh, as we kind of press on in this series and what that looks like. I said, it's a, you know, it's a great transition for us because our mission is one more, and we've talked about that, uh, one more lost child back to dead. But we have a hyphen after that part of our mission, and the second part is all in, that we want to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ, all in heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so it's, it's sort of the discipleship is this movement from mission, and, you know, we're called to go and make disciples, so it's all part of it, into being, you know, mature believers in Christ and engaging in fellowship and worship. So that's how all that fits together, and I, I want to spend uh, some time today talking about discipleship, and next week, and then we'll press on from there. That's the intro transition, always a bad joke or two. If you work security at the Samsung store, does that make you guardian of the galaxy? I've been going back and forth about this one. I'm not sure I'll use it tomorrow, but we'll see. So a recent survey discovered that a, a woman's I'll be ready in five minutes and a man's I'll be home in five minutes are exactly the same. So, so pretty good, right? No, no, you're okay. I read uh, the, a guy was arrested for stealing helium balloons. Police held him for a while and then let him go. That's, that's great, right? Thank you. Scripture reading here on purpose. That was the one that had me up laughing at night. They held him for a while and let him go. You get it? Healing balloons. Luke 14, 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, 
Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That is a pretty intense passage of Scripture. And so I thought it would be um, good for us to kind of dig through that and look into what Jesus is saying there and what it means. And we're, we're sort of pressing on in our defining this whole deal of being a disciple. You know, we, we looked at how John sort of defined it last week and, you know, and uh, how important it was for us to, to you know, to love and to do those things. And um, Luke is going to deepen it, particularly in the idea of loving well and what that looks like. But by this time in Jesus' ministry, he had a large crowd that would travel with him. And this large crowd was not all disciples. So, so get, get, a, get a picture around that. You know, now, he had his 12, his immediate 12 that he called, and then outside of the 12, there were some other very devoted folks that we know went with him everywhere. Uh, we read about them in the Scripture. And, um, and you know, this, this number would vary uh, from time to time. Um, but at the end of his uh, ministry, really, was maybe 100 people that were left or so that were still hanging in there. Pretty, pretty intense. It had been bigger and things happened. But... Uh, some of these folks were just kind of hanging on for the ride. It was something to do. Uh, it was something going on. Um, some of them, you know, were probably just going so they could see miracles because that was pretty cool, and uh, they wanted to see that. Um, some, I think, were probably there just in hopes for free lunch or free dinner because we know that uh, he would do that from time to time, and that was a good thing back then, pretty cool, that uh, that could happen, and they experienced that. Uh, some were there hoping that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman oppression, that, um, that he had come in a political way, which is what a lot of them were looking for, and finally he was going to deliver them from this Roman oppression and reestablish Israel uh, into the way that she was in the, the reign of, you know, David and, and, uh, and his son Solomon and all those things were happening. So Jesus, um, in this passage, starts telling these crowd the requirements for being a real disciple. Pretty intense when you think about what's going on in the process. So, point number one in your notes is we're called to love God all in. So, you know, I've said that's part of our, that's the sort of second part of our mission where we want to be all in for Jesus, all in heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Jesus says, Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, my hope is when you read a verse like that, it impacts you and you think, that, that, what is going on? That doesn't really even sound like Jesus. That certainly doesn't sound like anything that maybe we've taken in. And perhaps we sort of go by those verses and think, well, that, that can't be right or, or, you know, it's not what it meant or something. But uh, I, I think if you read a verse and it doesn't make sense to you, you need to kind of dig in. And because they all make sense, you just, if they don't make sense right away, you need to think about it and look at what's going on and look at it in context. And so part of that is the story of what's happening, the people they're following, and Jesus is defining some things for them. But, but that's a tough one. Like, that doesn't, doesn't sound right. Jesus, you want me to hate my family? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's not really what Jesus is saying. But he's, he's using. It's very interesting how he uses family. Now, that, that word that's being defined hate there in the Greek could easily be defined love less. So, so that might help 
some of you sort of get a picture of what's going on here. And he's saying, you, you know, you need to love less. You need to love your family less than me um, if you want to be my disciple. And you think, hmm, that, that's different. But, but what he's saying is he's using a contrast that will make people think. So, so it's not like we're supposed to, you know, hate family, friends, and our, on ourselves, but, but he's using it as sort of the opposite of, of love. He makes a point by not using something that would be easy to hate, like the, the evil one. You can't be, you know, he could have said, you can't be my disciple if you don't hate the enemy. Well, that, we're all on that. Uh, you know, most of us go, that's a no-brainer. But what he's saying is, he, he's taking the, the, the very unit, the very thing that most of us experience love by, that, that we, we understand love by, that, that sort of functions as what defines that for us, and, and that we've experienced love in, and he's saying, listen, that's, that's not the standard for our love. And, and, um, and, and so if you don't love less your family than me, you cannot be my disciple. So our, God, our love for God has to be our highest love. It has to be the most important thing in our lives. And, and that's how it has to be as disciple. That has to absolutely come first and foremost above everything else. But here's the deal. When we do love Him as our highest priority, we love everybody else better, including our family. Everybody comes off in a better way than this because we, we learn to love in a way that's um, less selfish. Most of us have a tendency to have quite a bit of selfishness in our love. It's just part of the way that, that it works. Um, and our love is often very conditional. Uh, our love is often, you know, um, very reciprocal in that, well, I'll love you the way that you love me. And, and yet what God wants to teach us is that, that His love is way better than that. And as we make Him our highest priority in life, then He helps us to love others well. And so we're called to love God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our highest priority, it, we need to know it's about Him in this process and that it's about our love for Him. So he's setting up this contrast to this big crowd of people, and he's saying, you know, if, I, if it's not about us, you know, if it's not about loving God, then, then you're, you're really not my disciple. He kind of sets that up for him there. So where we have to go with that, point number two and you've heard me say this before, and, and I, I think it's important to repeat, it's not all about me. And that this is something we have to be aware of um, because we tend to look at life from what about me. And we get in the center of the story, and it's not where we find life. That's why we have to talk about it. Verse 27, he says, Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, uh, he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So one of the obstacles that we have in, in being his disciple is that um, we tend to be overly preoccupied with self. And, and th this is just part of our condition. Uh, and, and it's sort of, you know, it's a very real thing. So... For example, uh, we have this thing now that, that most of us partake in called selfies. And, you know, uh, we take selfies. Personally, I'm famous for the forehead selfie. Um, because, uh, and so now I do it on purpose. For a while, they were just bad at selfies. And then, 
Then, because uh, all you get on a selfie, if you ever go on my Twitter account or something after a run, and I take a picture, you get a big picture of my forehead. Uh, so it's the forehead selfie. And uh, my wife is famous for taking forever to actually push the button on a selfie. We, <laughs> we were having dinner just the other night. She said, come on, I want to take a picture. And I said, okay. So I, we were sitting across the table, and I went next to her, and I put my arm around her, and I smiled, and she had the camera there. And, uh, I, and, and then she still had the camera there, and I'm like, this went on for a long time. I'm like, push a button. And when I said push the button, she pushed the button when I wasn't ready anymore because she was busy trying to get herself right in the picture. I knew what she was doing. And I, you know, I hit the pose. I'm good, but I can only hold it for so long. I'm like, come on, push the button and click. And I, now look at me. I'm terrible in there. And see, that's a, that's the other thing that really helps us to know how, listen, preoccupied we are with self. And, and, and you've probably seen me do this before, but it's a, it is a wonderful illustration. I mean, I'm going to click out of my timer and actually do it for you today. But here's the thing. If I were to walk around, it never works when you want. You're supposed to just sweep to the right and you get your camera. But if I were to come over here and, and take a picture of this group right now, boom, nice and quick. I didn't make you wait. And I were to walk around and show you this picture, you know what would make this a good picture for you? How you looked. You wouldn't even look at anybody else in this picture. I promise you. And if you looked good, you would say that's a good picture without ever considering anybody else. And I promise you that's how you look at pictures. Because we all do that. Why? Well, we have this preoccupation. It's very natural with self. And so if you look good, oh, well, that's a great picture. The person next to you, some, you know, your wife could be next to you with, you know, some embarrassment happening. <laughs> and you would say, oh, that's a good picture. Uh, but you, you, we don't need to do that once or twice before you learned you better look. Uh, <laughs> ask me how I know. But you get the idea. So, so we have this preoccupation with self that we need to be aware of. And it's, it's you know, just a part of things that are going on with us. So we need to be aware of that. Let me go back to timer here. There we go. And um, there's a verse, though. 2 Timothy 3. This is a pretty harsh verse. Verses 1 through 5. Paul said this. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. And that's a pretty intense scripture about being overly preoccupied with self if we're not careful. But I, I always want to say that, so I, whenever I tell you it's not all about me, there's a caveat that you need to make sure it is some about me, and that's a good thing. That's good news, and we're recipients of good news, and we need to know it. And you were created um, to want to enjoy life and experience happiness. It's how God created you. And that desire is not sin by any stretch of the imagination. It becomes an issue when it becomes the most important thing in our lives. And that's what we need to be aware of as we're becoming His disciples, is that um, that pursuit of self can't be the highest in our lives. Um, the Bible even says we're to love ourselves, Ephesians 5.29. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Matthew 22.39, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What those verses are telling us is, is that um, we're not to be overly preoccupied with self, but it is some about us. But the very things that we want to experience in life, um, 
you know, the love of God and, and full and abundant life and those things that He's called us to, um, we're to want that same thing to happen for our neighbors, that they would experience that love and life that we can experience in Jesus. There's a quote I want to read to you. This is from uh, A.W. Tozer. I think it's very fitting. He said this, In every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility. See, to be a disciple, we have to get off the throne that we sort of place ourselves on and make sure that we've got Him on it. Because that's where we find life. The, the, the amazing thing is, the longer that we're trying to find life in our own strength, we, we don't experience it. It's only when we realize that it's about Him that we begin to find life. See, because third, it, it, it is all about Jesus. It's not all about me. It is some about me, but it is all about Jesus. Luke 14, 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So let's put another intense. I said this was a pretty heavy passage, right? Part of being his disciple is recognizing that everything I have and everything I am belongs to Jesus. And this, it's, you can't get there without taking a good look at self and all those things that go along in the process. Uh, John Wimber actually was the founder of the Vineyard Movement years ago. He used to say, he said a lot of things, but um, one of the things he said that always struck me is that I'm just change in his pocket and he can spend me however he wants. And that has always spoken volumes to me. I'm, I'm just changing God's pocket. He can spend me however he wants. And when you start to think about that, it changes the way that you approach life. See, we, we tend to approach life so self-focused that, that we, the things that are happening around us are just people involved in the machinery of our lives. And when they're not operating, right, we talked about this last week, we tend to take it out on them. But when we go into life realizing, you know, God, I'm, everything I have is yours. Every moment, every breath, it's all yours. Uh, God, use it. it. It's yours. Spend me however you want. If you want me to stand 10 extra minutes in Winn-Dixie, I'll do it. If you, uh, Because maybe I can stand there and pray for somebody. And, and instead of getting mad that there's not going the way I want, Lord, help me to redeem the time by thinking this way, that just change in your pocket. And every move and every breath and every moment is yours. And, and God, none of it's wasted. That you, you redeem it all even when I don't see you doing it. And Lord, I don't want to push through life just constantly trying to make something happen in my own strength. God, let me just walk with you and sort of, you know, learn to flow in you and be led by you in your spirit. And, and we can't get there until we sort of move past ourselves and, and really, you know, say, God, I, I, I'm picking up the cross for you today, whatever that looks like, whatever you want me to do in the journey. Jesus had an encounter with a rich young guy in uh, Rich Young Ruler in Mark 10. Pretty interesting encounter. Mark 10, 17-22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, yes. He said, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. 
You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. That's pretty intense. That's good stuff, right? Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So, well, what was going on there? The idea there isn't that to be his disciple, you've got to take a vow of poverty because that's not what he talks about at all. The issue is that anything that's on uh, the throne of your heart that isn't Jesus needs to be removed. And in this case, this was where the young guy was. He was, you know, performing well, but Jesus looked right through that and said, all right, go give it all away. Come follow me. And he couldn't. Uh, so, you know, he, it's not what he says to everybody. He, he knows exactly what's got us stuck, and he will deal with those things. And anything that's in the way of you putting God first, he'll sort of let you know what that looks like. And, and so you might be sitting there thinking that it seems like it costs a lot to be a disciple, and, and it does. However, it costs way more not to be his disciple, because real life, full life, now and forever life is only found in him. And, and if you're settling for anything other than being a disciple of Jesus, you're missing out on the life that he has for you. And so I want to encourage you again this week, just think about how amazing it is to be called into this relationship with him and how amazing it is that he's made a way for us to be reconciled and to be you know, made new and forgiven and brand new starts and all those things. And then, and then how cool it is to be his disciple. And, and then just to walk that out and ask him to help you. Lord, I, I want to do that. I, I don't want anything on the throne of my heart but you. Lord, I don't want to be there. So, Lord, I, I just give myself to you again today. And, and each day, just put yourself there and then go through the day asking him to lead you and to show you how to live and experience this full and amazing, abundant life that he has for all of us. So we're going to end there for today. And I have a little bit more to talk about next week on being a disciple and Next week, I'm, I'm going to talk about a yoke and a towel, and uh, we'll, we'll end up with that. But that's what's coming up next week, but uh, we will end it there for now. And uh, God bless you guys. If you're watching on, online or uh, webcasting, thank you for being with us. Come and see us when you can. We'd love to have you here. And, and if you need prayer, you go to the website. There's a, a place for prayer there, a web page, uh, on the prayer page on the website. Put your request in, and we'll pray for you. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.